Hola, welcome to the Bridge Church podcast. Hola, como esta? Merci, bien. <laughs> Classic. No, I, I was just about to say, I'm very... Linguists that we are. I'm very confused because it's a Thursday and we're recording, not mm-hmm. a Tuesday. Yeah. So that's why I started it now. We are easily confused, Dave. A different tongue. Um, also, I found out whenever we were in Barcelona that apparently Amy and I look French. People would really? come up and be like, Francais? And Amy would really? be like, no English. And I'd be like, no, Northern Irish. It's because it's because you're so trendily dressed, the two of you. That's what it is. They, they assume you're not British, you're French, because you're, you're so trendily dressed. Definitely was not trendily <laughs> dressed at all. Well, Amy then. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Sunday, we're thinking about rest. I've just mm. come back from a wee rest. Mm. Uh, so, whenever you think about rest in the context of the Bible, you sort of highlighted the new about there's different rests in this passage, Hebrews 4. Mm. Which should spring to our mind first? Is it the rest that we've entered into in Jesus or the rest that we will enter into in heaven? You know, Does that make sense? Does yeah. it depend on our yeah. situation, which one springs to mind so first? So w- which should we think of first? I think my answer to that is yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think different aspects of rest will spring to mind when they depend on the circumstances. You yeah. say... Or maybe what we've just been reading in scripture. So yeah, kind of we point. just read Hebrews four or Matthew eleven, which I'll come to in a, a later question, I think. Um but overall it's good to keep in our minds and hearts the already not yet nature of the rest we have in Jesus. Yeah. And the already not yet nature of our, all our salvation. We so we already have rest for our souls. Um Jesus says that in Matthew eleven, doesn't he? Oh yeah. there you go, I've come to it already. Yeah. <laughs> um come to me, you are weary and laden, I will give you rest, and he then talks about rest for your souls so that's a rest we have in jesus already and if you think about it the most important aspect of the future rest we're going to have actually is being in jesus presence Mm. so that's why we can say well we've got rest now because we are we have jesus christ in us and we are with him um so we have rest now real rest cannot be taken away but then flip side to the coin there's also the full future experience of the rest to come when we will enter fully and perfectly into his presence. And that's important because that keeps us eternity focused and reminds us on our harder days that the best is yet to be the greatest times of joyful rest we experience now, mm. basically just point us to the glorious rest to come. So the best holiday you've had, mm. the best time of house you've had, just a pale glimpse of what future rest will be. Yeah, I was thinking that last week whilst I was on my Holly Pops. I was like, <laughs> every single day, I was like, oh, it's four days to go until we're back through there. I was like <laughs> counting it down. And it did make me think that I literally couldn't wrap my mind around it. Mm. Like one day there will never be an end to my rest. Yeah. It's it's so hard to comprehend. But I remember thinking that I mean, like, that is an incredible hope to have. Yeah. That yeah, one endless day rest. Yeah, yeah, endless rest. It seems mental. Awesome. Um literally. Yeah. So how how should we how should rest feel? I nearly misspoke there. No, I did misspeak. How um, should rest feel? Well, actually, I think my answer to that one was going to be it's a hard one to answer. So mm. I'll probably say a little bit about why it's hard to answer. And then, but then as it's we're talking, to things, are springing to, <laughs> things are springing to mind. Yeah. Uh, one way is to think about rest now yeah. and what that is and just extrapolate to perfect rest from that. But yeah. um, I say it's hard to answer because I don't think the Bible gives us a lot of direct insight, a lot of details about heaven and future rest. Yeah. But if we think about the the couple of kinds of rest in this passage so god's seventh day rest and the the promised rest in the land of canaan we get some indicators don't we so 
one of the things that I think jumps out to me is that word translated Sabbath rest mm. in this in our passage speaks of um, not just rest, but celebrating the Sabbath. So yeah. it speaks of joy. So obviously the future rest is going to be joy, um, yeah. joy unspeakable. And so rest isn't just about chilling after working hard. It is that, but but it's more than that. Because if you think about it, God rested from his labor on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because his work of creation was finished. Um, but God was pleased with what he's done. There was a sense that God had joy in what he'd done, and rest is about joy as well. Um, joy and rest in the presence of God. Um, and it's also about being free of enemies. So the the rest that um, Israel were promised, I, th I think this is Deuteronomy 12, I didn't check this reference. Rest from all sides, yeah. Yeah, that it's talking about the rest being, yes, physical rest. Yes, you don't have to trudge through the wilderness anymore, but you'll have rest from your enemies. Yeah. So we think about our enemies of sin, sickness, temptation. The devil. The devil, oh, yeah. That gone, yeah. completely gone and done. And that's what rest will be as well. Um, it's, the, it's the picture in... Um, Revelation 14, as I read this in um, Life Group last night as well, I forgot to read it on Sunday. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. It's a strange phrase, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor. So heaven and the new creation will be rest. And then at the end of Revelation, it's described as there will be no more tears or mourning or crying or pain. Mm. Tears being wiped away. Rest will be all those things. So actually, yeah, I've gone full circle there. It's hard to answer. There's not a lot of detail. There's pretty actually quite a lot. There's quite a lot of detail there, yeah. <laughs> I feel as though um, Al had sort of brought this up in Life Group last night whenever we were thinking about rest and Sabbath. He was sort of saying he almost doesn't know off the back of your equipped seminar. Mm. He was sort of saying he doesn't feel like he... I would agree with him as well. I don't feel like I have a Sabbath rest mm. because we've gone so far in our culture away from sort of Sabbatarian yep. beliefs. It's now almost like on Sunday we don't do what you just said, like celebrate the rest that we yeah. have in Jesus on a given day mm. for for many a Sunday. I thought yeah. it was just quite yeah. something to think through. I, I think for Christians it is a challenge, isn't it? Because Sunday's such a, a busy day of worship work, yeah. joyful worship work. Yeah. It often doesn't feel like rest, but um I guess that's where it helps me thinking of the Sabbath principle. Yeah. So in terms of a day off and physical rest and not working, yeah. that's more Saturday for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's potentially getting us into another um, no, yeah. whole podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is helpful to think about us because often we've been hearing, haven't we, just in the church generally about how people find church not restful. Mm. because oh there's so much to do there's so much and actually i suppose that's something we can all be praying for that those who serve on a sunday mm. it's not like oh flip this is their work it's yeah. a it sort of it's an overflow of their heart yeah they get to worship the lord and also and this is hard isn't it because they're indwelling sin and and life pressures and stuff but it's it's about consciously doing our work on a sunday in the presence of god because if I'm reading scripture right, when we get to the new creation, having the new creation, we're going to be busy. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to be just sat there. We're going to be busy worshiping, serving, but it's going to be completely joyful and restful at the same time. Yeah. I'm so if thinking. I'm consciously on a Sunday talking to the Lord, doing this for Him in His presence, that kind of helps to transform it. But the trouble is, I can so easily just get head down and think about the task. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if you want a, a case study in not being restful on a Sunday, it's me two minutes before sermon still <laughs> adding to said sermon. Uh, 
through. Don't look at me as an example, please. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, you made you made a point about how uh, the people in Numbers, the that the author of Hebrews is alluding to, mm. said that they, the people in Numbers were tempted to go back to Egypt. Mm. For some of us, I'm sure that's probably quite a strange concept, especially if they became uh, believers whenever they were teenagers, or perhaps you know they can't remember when they became Christians. Mm. So, what ways? Are we tempted to go back to Egypt? Yeah, good practical question, isn't it? I suppose that the broad brush answer is anything that looks like me going back to the the things of my old life before yeah. I was saved, before I was set free. They'd yeah. been set free from Egypt. Yeah. The temptation was to go back. So going back to old sins, yeah. you know, just accepting old sins that I've maybe been fighting for years, and I think, ah, oh, it's always going to be there. Just just give up. Just let it happen. Yeah. Old old addictions, old patterns. Um, that can be that can be the start of the slide, can't it? Old idols, yeah. you know, choosing relationships that we know will lead us away from the Lord. Yeah, trying to persuade ourselves otherwise, maybe, but yeah. we're choosing them over over Jesus. That's the reality sometimes. Yeah, um, or things we trusted in before. So before we came to faith, if we were trusting in our good works, trusting in our Christian heritage, our parents, our grandparents were Christians. It's so easy just to slide back to that stuff, and that's insidious. And then starts. You still intellectually believe the gospel. But you're not trusting the gospel daily. That's that's the danger I find all the time. Yeah, trusting in works, going back to other idols. I've got to be preaching the gospel to myself and believing the gospel daily because any of these things could lead us to the point where we just want to go back to old life, turn our backs on God's promises, and turn our backs on the promised rest, even if we don't see it that way at the time. Yeah, I think. Uh... Peter's words, I think it's in John, are very apt where Jesus says to his disciples, are you going to leave too? And Peter mm. says, to whom shall we go, Lord? Yeah. You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, exactly. It shows how foolish it is to mm. well, return to no hope at all, really. Mm. So at the beginning of creation, I think, to be honest, Matt, I think this is a complete stinker of a question <laughs> I've asked, I'm about to ask you. Um, so at the beginning of creation, God had planned to rest yeah. heaven. Yeah. Why did he plan a rest if he was already present with us in the garden? Yeah. I'm so well, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, you or, or our listeners may um, be able to come back with a more concrete answer than this because, again, I think this is one of those, it's hard to give clear-cut biblical answers. But by the end of this question, maybe, like, this maybe. Is easy in class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not holding my breath this time. But I, I think, and it's this is where it's helped being in Genesis recently as a, as a church, the early chapters of Genesis, I think that it's linked to the fact that Adam and Eve even in their sinless state and knowing the presence of God, there was a sense in which they didn't have the fullness of what God had for them yet, yeah. did they? Because they weren't united to Christ yeah. um, in, the, in the way that amazingly we are now by faith, united yeah. to Christ. Um, so in a sense, they were on probation. You know, we, we saw in Genesis, didn't we? They had a task as priests to accomplish to spread God's glory and dominion, yeah. and they fell short of it. But I think the picture is that even in their sinlessness and then when they sinned, when all that's going on, God in his mercy had already prepared a fullness of rest for them and us. And I think that seventh day rest is a picture of that. God knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It was pointing forward to, to the rest that we have now in Christ. So his resting on the seventh day was pointing forward even before sin came into the world to the rest that he had prepared for all his people in Christ. It's one of those ones that really stretch your brain, isn't mm. it, when you think about it? 
Um, I wouldn't want to be dogmatic about that answer because I don't think that there aren't passages that, that just state that. Yeah. The writer of the Hebrews doesn't unpack it in detail for us. We've got to sort of draw conclusions, but yeah. that's my stab at it. No, helpful. So what parallels are there between us and the Israelites, Hebrews, you know, fearing the occupants of the land? So mm. I think that's, as I was listening to the sermon again, um, I was thinking, am, am I like those ancient Israelites? Am I mm. fearing the occupants of the land? You know, is that why I'm not entering into rest? Or is that, can I make a parallel? Can I make an application from that? Yeah, I, I think we're definitely supposed to, aren't we, up to a point. So I know we, whenever you get into discussions about Israel and us, Israel in the Old Testament and us, yeah. it can become quite a complex discussion. I think basically everybody agrees in some ways there are links yeah. and similarities, in other ways there are differences. Um, but I think we can also say Old Testament Israel um, isn't exactly equivalent to the New Covenant Church. Um, I think I think what you've seen here in Hebrews, and a lot of people would argue, is that it's, it's a in one sense, Old Testament Israel was a type of picture of the church. Yeah. Um, so having said that, there are differences, and we've got to be careful. There's definitely an organic link between those who were truly who truly believed in Israel and those who truly believe today. Yeah. And I think the major link in this passage here is about belief versus lack of belief. Yeah. So, so almost like me trying to be like, how, how am I fearing the occupants of the land? Yeah. I'm almost missing the forest for the trees. Is that the expression? Like it's belief. Basically, yeah. And yeah, that's that's one of the big ideas here, isn't it? The big parallel the writer is drawing out is the danger of hard-hearted unbelief caused by fear versus belief in God's promises. So for Israel, that was fear, fear of the big, strong occupants of the land. For the Hebrews, it seems to have been fear of persecution. Yeah. Could be fear of persecution for us. But for us, it could be, yeah, it could be fear or various other things that could, because later in Hebrews, he'll talk about the sin that so easily entangles. It can be all sorts of things, um, like we talked about in the previous questions, that, that might make us drift away, turn away, fall away. Because um, life will face us with situations that tempt us to give up on God's power and God's promises. That's the bottom line. And we mustn't give in to fear, but keep trusting God's word. So anything that tempts me to not trust God's promises is the enemies of the land, I guess. Yeah. No, that is because you can imagine someone spending all week thinking about who are the occupants of the land? How does that apply to me? Yeah. Like, Dave, you're completely mental. How, <laughs> how are you struggling to believe the promises of God? That's yeah. what you should be thinking about. And you said, I think you said about forest for trees. That's the other thing. Sometimes we can get, we draw, get drawn into details so quickly. We're almost trying to allegorize and say that this passage is every single aspect of this. So every every single bit of the experience of the Old Testament people of God in the in the promised land links to my experience today. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily work that way. Not the question that. is, in context, what's the big idea that God is communicating to us? And I think that's one of them in this passage. Yeah, I think that's helpful if someone is working through a book of the Old Testament and they're reading it like, what how on earth does this apply yeah. to my life today? Mm. You know, they snatch ten minutes to read the Bible in the morning. Look for the big Idea, or like the big issue in it rather mm. than being like what is this about you know 318 Israel <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. a real obscure thing I mean and one of the fascinating things you may have touched on this in the podcast with John Mark I can't remember but Spurgeon you know he, he would love to allegorize yeah and he'd be bringing stuff out and you think what really three plus one plus eight is twelve <laughs> there's twelve tribes unbelievable so, who am I to say this but I I think he 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 went too far in that quite regularly but you know it worked the, what a preacher yeah. yeah and the word of God was doing its work yeah um so on to another question, because we've talked about it several times, haven't we, about how you know a relationship 
can cause people to drift away mm. if the person isn't a Christian, for example. Mm. But someone's probably thinking, okay, human being right in front of me is much more tangible yeah. than Jesus. You know, the human relationship feels so much more real than a relationship with Jesus. How, how can that relationship with the Lord, suppose particularly if someone who's single, how can that be more precious than, mm. you know, a husband wife relationship? Yeah, it was. It's such an important question because for, for all of us, whatever our life situation, mm. that's the reality that the people we rub shoulders with yeah. are in a they're in in our face. We can touch them. Yeah. We can hear them. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that we're meant to walk by faith, not by sight. And so yeah. often I'm walking by sight, not by faith. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, but I think part of the answer is the way we grow in our relationship with Jesus feeling tangible, if I could put it that way, is that we, we listen to God's voice. Yeah. So when I'm in a relationship with anyone, friendship with you, Dave, my relationship with Kath, mm. if it's really a relationship, you listen to the voice of the person you're in the relationship with. That's what relationships are built on. Marriage prep, yeah. as you know. Yeah. We we're, we always say in this in marriage prep, communication, 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 to, to grow in the relationship, keep the channels of communication open. Yeah. So if we're talking and listening to friends and family and not listening to Jesus in his word and talking to him in prayer, yeah. it's no wonder that earthly relationships feel much more tangible. Yeah, that's true. And some of the most lovely and oldest mm. saints I've known, who just Jesus seems so real to them. Yeah. There ain't any shortcuts. It seems that, um, and they haven't done it legalistically, they've done it relationally. Yeah. They've learned to build in those habits of talking to Jesus every day and listening to him every day. Yeah. So they know him really well. Yeah. You can tell me if this is unhelpful, um, but I suppose whenever we think of the the Israelites tempted to turn back to Egypt, mm. they knew what Egypt was like, so yeah. it was it was tangible, Familiar, wasn't it? Yeah. They could say, "Oh, I know what Egypt will be like," whereas I don't know what this yeah. uncertain land in the future. I suppose that's what happens when we treat a relationship. I know that's more tangible yeah. than this unknown, mystical. It's absolutely that. Yeah. Isn't it? It, well, it goes back to Paul's, you know, Paul, when he talks about walking by faith, not by sight, yeah. that that again was the problem of the people of Israel so often, wasn't it? Instead yeah. of faith, because they believe God's promises, they were going by what they could see and experience in the here and now. Same as us. Was that in your quiet time this morning? Walk by faith, not by sight? Or is that just... No, it wasn't actually, no. It's, it's just getting just, just popped into my head yeah. as we were doing the podcast. It's, uh, it's <laughs> the Holy Spirit placed it there. <laughs> uh, so we've been speaking about God's voice. Actually, I'm going to look at verses 12 and 13 on Sunday, I think. Mm. Um, also, if you're listening to this before Sunday, I'm banging my head against the sermon. Yeah, so be please, praying for Dave. Please pray. So, speaking... he's, got, he's got that sermon prep face look. Oh. Face look? Face on that I often get, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, speaking of God's voice, why does the writer suddenly mention the word of God in verses 12 and 13? Mm. How does that fit with this section? Because there's the Lincoln word for there, isn't yeah. it? Uh, I, I think it's, I'm glad we got the opportunity in the podcast to do stuff like this because although I made very brief passing reference to those verses um, on Sunday, I was conscious that you know, they're such amazing verses and didn't really spend time on them. You could do a whole sermon on it, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I think I've done before actually years yeah. ago. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's really important to see the writer isn't just randomly plonking in a brief doctrinal statement about what the Bible is and how powerful it is with no connection to the argument. Um, sometimes it feels like that. It does. It know, does sometimes, isn't it? This Sunday with Melchizedek, you're just like, oh, yeah, random. Yeah, but carry on. We're, we're, yeah, because we're often not seeing and hearing the transitions well. And I think it's partly because we're maybe partly because we're not reading it in the original Greek, but also we yeah. sometimes because we don't read it out loud. 
Yes. Or we don't read it enough. I, I know that's the case for me. I th so it's here because their attitude to the word of God shows whether they are people of faith who will enter God's rest or people of unbelief who will not enter it. So the, the Israelites in the Old Testament heard God's covenant commands and promises, and they knew, they should have known, that faith-filled obedience would lead to blessing mm. and unbelieving disobedience would lead to the curses of the covenant. Yeah. And the writer's saying to the Hebrews who were reading his letter, it's the same for us. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So God's word, he's saying, will either bring blessing or judgment depending on our response, whether we respond in faith or unbelief. Yeah. Our because you look at the way he's phrasing it there, he starts talking about the, the word and then he starts talking about God. Our response to God's word is our response to God. Yeah. We need to keep hearing God's voice, God's promises, and not just see the Bible. Uh, it's been really good for me doing um, the resource course on, on the Doctrine of Scripture the last few weeks and the next few weeks because yeah. pressing my nose into this great subject. And that's one of the things that's come home to me. We can't just see the Bible as a repository of true facts. It is that, but it's far more. It's God personally speaking to us, and it's God's word, which always does something. My word will never return to me void, God yeah. says through Isaiah. For, um, for the believer walking by faith, it comforts us and it convicts us. Mm. For the person who hears it and rejects it, it brings terrible judgment. Yeah, And, so, and that's why I think it's here. Mm. God's word is... God's word is seeing what nobody else can see. Are we people of faith, ultimately, by grace, or are we people of unbelief? Yeah. Since this is sort of the intro to my sermon on Sunday, thinking about these verses, and I was, as I was writing it, I was thinking about what you just said there, how it never returns to him, null and void, which means mm -hmm. it's always doing something, which means yeah. it's always either hardening us or softening us, which is yeah. quite... I suppose it just means that there's never... It's never trivial to read a verse from the Bible. It's always doing something yeah, to you. Absolutely. Um, so uh, two sort of questions to finish us off here. How do we hear the word of God? Because we're not like the Israelites who hear God's voice audibly, like from his very lips. Yeah. Um, well, it probably won't surprise people to hear that. I think our, our part of our answer is, or our answer basically is, um, it's the Bible, it's the word of God. If if we believe what the church has always believed, that scripture is God-breathed, yeah. 2 Timothy 3.16, literally God's words written down, then we know that when we hear the Bible or read the Bible, we're hearing God speak as clearly as Adam and Eve and Abraham and Moses did. No, right, we're not, we're not um, hearing God's actual voice physically come to our ears, however that happened. But we are hearing God speak just as clearly as they did. I, I wonder if we actually believe that. Yeah. I wonder if the preachers in the British Church actually believe that sometimes. Yeah. Um, you and me, I'm talking about, by the way. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> Not other people. It's, it's interesting that when the writer quotes the Old Testament, he often says, he says, you know, as in God says, or the Holy Spirit says. Yeah. He's, he's clear that the Bible is no mere book. It's actually God speaking. Um, and note that the present tense in many of these cases in in Hebrews, God was speaking to to the readers then and there. The, yeah. the stuff that had been written down centuries before was present tense. God speaking to them, and it's the same for us. We we. So the short answer is: How do we hear the word? We must be people of the book. Yeah, and realize it's more than just a book. Yeah, which is why it says it's alive, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So here is a. This is a confession found in the second Helvet Confession Ooh. for you, Matt. Um. 
the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. <laughs> yeah. So what that means is whenever the preacher is preaching on Sunday, he is speaking the very words of God. Yes. yes. I think you've got to add some clarifies that, haven't you? Because, please, please do that. Because I can imagine someone hearing that the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. And, and I can imagine people rightly thinking, well, hang on, Dave Lauder on Sunday. It's not a, God. A, he's yeah. not good. Definitely yeah. not God. Yeah. He's a sinful, fallible human being who makes mistakes. Um, it's not going to be the case that everything he says in his sermon is perfectly right. So how can the preaching of the word of God be the word of God? So yes, there is that caveat. Yeah. But um, I, I really believe that's true. When you look at what preaching is in the Bible, the proclamation of the gospel, you know, the, the Kerugma in the, in the New Testament, it's it's proclaiming God's word. So the way I've heard it defined is this. Maybe you've heard the same thing. To the to the degree that the preacher has been faithful to the word of God, yeah. that is the word of God being heard. Yeah. So when you're preaching on Sunday, when you are being faithful to the word, you've understood it right, you're proclaiming it right. It's not just someone speaking about God's word. Yeah. It's God's word being heard. Yeah. That's a very reformed Christian thought, but I, I really think it's true because sometimes what we say on a Sunday, um, people leading have said it, I've said it, you know, um, Dave's going to come up and explain this passage to us. Well, that's true. But it's more than just explaining the passage. It's actually the word of God being heard at, when you're being faithful to the word. Yeah. Which is why people really need to be praying for us and yeah. everybody else who's preaching. I think that's also why we keep telling people keep their Bibles open yes. and read it because yeah. the authority, the power comes from the word. Yeah. Like you need to see if this is truly the word of God. Yeah. It's being faithful. But we have to believe, don't we, in some way that the preaching of the word of God is the word of God in the sense we've just briefly outlined. Otherwise, well, why on earth? Why would you listen? Yeah, you know, let's just, yeah, yeah, get some good Christian books and read the Bible a lot. But there's there's something about the preaching of the word that's yeah powerful despite the jars of clay who are doing the preaching. Yeah, I think, I think a follow-up pod at some point on what preaching is might be helpful yeah. just because, like, why, why do we do it, basically? Yeah. I think it might be helpful. Good uh, idea. Great. Here we are at the end. And um, yeah, see you Sunday for a communion on Sunday. So looking forward to that. Is it? It is. <laughs> need to, yeah, need <laughs> to work get, that into your prep now as well. Need to get that into prep as well. <laughs> I need to put that in my diary like this. So yeah. that I know when it's coming up. January the 3rd Sunday. But yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's a fun end for you all. <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs> Bye.